Thank you for joining us today. We believe that the word of God is designed to make a mark in your life that is not easily erased. And right now, God is sharing to us about relationships and how our relationships should not be easily broken. I believe this word of God is going to do just that. Strengthen your relationships so they're not easily broken and you can move forward with a group of people that are supporting what God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Talking about relationships, and we started off talking about the most important relationship a believer could have is a relationship with Jesus Christ, because all of the relationships should stem from that unity that we have in Him. Uh, so we we can't neglect that, because I'm telling you, every other relationship you have after that will be faltered in some kind of way, and we need for the Holy Spirit to direct us and assist us so that we will be around the right people, so we'll have the right relationships so we can recognize uh, these relationships. Therefore, they can become an asset to us. When I think about relationships, I always think about what Greg said. He said that um, everyone is either an asset or a liability. And you just have to figure that out as soon as possible, amen? And that some people can be an asset in one season and not in another season. So we have to understand that there's some relationships that we keep for a lifetime. There's some relationships that are there just uh, for a temporary moment or there for a short while or they may be real close at one time and then they may be distant at another, but only God can help us to maneuver those things. The Holy Spirit can help us do that without us feeling some type of a loss. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about marriage. So I don't want all the single people to just close their ears and go, that don't mean me. I promise you some of the things we talk about will apply to you as well. I promise you. I promise you, Deacon Charles, he's shaking his head like this. I promise you. So don't, don't tune out the Holy Spirit now. He brought you here for a reason. Amen. <laughs> but I want to say that marriage, according to God, is meant to give us pleasure and delight. Marriage is meant to bring pleasure and delight. And it wasn't until the fall of man that that got interrupted, the whole plan of God. So we're going to start in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. Amen. And we're going to, let's read this out of the Amplified. Genesis chapter 20. And uh, chapter 2, I apologize. Genesis chapter 2, I was like, 20. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, And Adam gave names to all of the livestock and to the birds of the air and to every wild beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper meet suitable, adapted, complementary for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs or a part of his side and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib or the part of his side, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he built up and made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this creature is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Therefore, making something totally different. 
creating another situation or another relationship uh, altogether different than being in the parent home. Let's look at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 6. Again, reading out of the Amplified. And it says, And it was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham, following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him Lord, Master, Leader, Authority. Now, this is not saying that he was a dictator. He's not to Lord over her. But he's, she's talking about giving reverence to her husband. Uh, so these, all these words are used, leader, authority, that type of wording. He says, and you are now her true daughter. If you do right, let nothing terror and let nothing terrify you, not giving way to hysterical fears and letting anxieties unnerve you. So here he's talking about the wife giving honor to her husband. And, but this honor is not a forced honor. It is not something that she is intimidated by. It's not something that she should be afraid of. It's not something that she does because she feels inferior to him. But it's just a respect for who he is in her life, the position in her life. And uh, because the wife is supposed to be treated with respect and as equals, as a matter of fact. And so as a husband being head of the household, yes, you're head of the household, but being a head of the household means that you bring your wife in beside you, or that's how you should see her, mutual respect, and uh, show yourselves as equals. That's what a real leader would do. I will lead the household by first saying that uh, I'm going to have a wife with me, and we're going to do this together. Amen. It says, in the same way, you married men should live considerately with your wives with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relationship. And I believe the King James says to dwell with her according to knowledge. And so he's talking about having some type of an intelligence about who she is, recognizing who God created her to be, recognizing that this is a partnership recognizing who you'll see the wife is recognizing who her husband is and the husband has to recognize who the wife is as well so he's telling telling them here that uh you're going to show a mutual respect for one another he says so dwell with her according to knowledge uh, and honoring the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace, God's unmerited favor of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. So he's talking about a union of two people coming together and respecting one another, treating each other like, like equals, not one lording over the other, but treating each other in a mutual uh, respect for one another. He says, so he's telling the man, he says, now you dwell with her according to knowledge. He says, now, weaker vessel does not mean that she's weak, she's weak as far as mentality is concerned. She's not weak because she can't hear from God. She's not weak because she doesn't have a capacity to do things. He says, so understand what's going on here. Both parties understanding what's supposed to be happening, a mutual relationship here. And to be honest with you, there is no relationship, as far as a believer is concerned, where we're not led by the Holy Spirit in our relationships. So it, the same is concerning our marriages. Uh, I've 
had, you know, many counseling sessions over the years where people come and they're thinking it's some kind of a, a one, two, three step magic type of thing when in actuality the Bible tells us clearly that we all need to be led by the Spirit of God and I don't know why we decide that marriage is not a part of that being led. So you're led by the Spirit of God regardless. Uh, in the book of Romans chapter 7 verse 14, we can go there for just a little bit and a lot of you are familiar with this passage of scripture, because here he's talking about, Paul is talking about how it is impossible to even live a Christian life without living, uh, by, by, without living by being led by the Spirit of God. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a creature of the flesh, carnal, unspiritual, having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled, bewildered, do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do, I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. Now if I do habitually what is contrary to my desires, that means that I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, morally excellent, and that I take sides with it. However, it is no longer I who do the deed, but the sin principle which is at home in me and has possession of me, for I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh." I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intentions and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. So Paul is saying that, you know, without the Holy Spirit, you don't have power to carry out living a spiritual life. He said, well, you, you, you can will or want to do something, but you just because you want to do it, Sometimes when you want to do it, you don't do it. He says, unless you're led by the Spirit of God. So in every relationship, we should be led by the Spirit of God. In our marriages, you should be led by the Spirit of God as to what you're supposed to do. And understanding this, that uh, people can be an example for you, but they don't know the makeup or character of your husband, but the Holy Spirit does. They don't know, they don't know what's going on or, or, or things that happen in a person's past that's causing a particular personality to show up. No one knows that but the Holy Spirit. So you can't go to someone and say, so what would you do? Because what you do may not work with your spouse. Hallelujah. And, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, the book I wrote, My Marriage is Broken, Can It Be Fixed?, uh, at one point, I told Greg, maybe I need to rewrite that and put some more information in it because people tend to think that I'm giving them a manual by which to govern their marriage when in actuality, I really wrote the book because I wanted people to see different circumstances that happen to people and understand regardless of what it is that's happening with you, that the Holy Spirit will talk to you and counsel you as to what it is you need to do. Even under some of the most ridiculous things happening, Holy Spirit still can counsel you as to what to do in a relationship. And so I, I wanted people to more or less to say, well, gosh, I see some of the crazy stuff that happened in her life. Surely if God, if she can hear from God and uh, be at peace, then I can too. The book wasn't meant to say that every marriage is going to survive. I believe every man marriage can survive, but every marriage does not survive because people do not bother to hear from the Holy Spirit. 
And sometimes people think that if, if I can't get my spouse to, to, to come over to my side, nothing can be done. That is not true. That is not true. You're petitioning God concerning your marriage and your relationship. That's a good start. When people come to me concerning their marriages, I talk to the person in front of me, not the person who's not in front of me. Because you came, that means that you're interested in this marriage working. So if we're interested in the marriage working, let's start talking to you about what you're doing. Because I can't tell your spouse what to do because they're not there. They're not seeking any counsel. But just because they're not seeking any counsel does not mean God cannot impact the marriage. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have to understand that uh, in re- <laughs> what I've come to find out is whenever I have a problem with any type of relationship, the first light shine- that shines from God is on me. My attitude, how do I look at it, what am I thinking? And I think I shared with you before that um, I'm trying to get Greg to change, so I went and bought a book called Lord Change Me and gave it to him. (laughs) Because in my mind, he was the one who needed to change. So God let me know, no, you bought that book for you. And I'm thinking, but I'm not doing the stupid, crazy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But finally, I read it, and thank God I started changing. Greg wasn't changing, but I was changing my attitude. I was changing, and I was was beginning to walk in a peace that surpasses all understanding, which he couldn't understand because obviously what he was doing should have disturbed me, but God gave me peace as he worked with my husband. And then again, I have to remind people that you can't pray a selfish prayer. You can't be saying, God, get them right so I can be happy. God's like, what? And again, I, I, I can only share from my own experiences uh, in the fact that that's something that actually God had to, you know, he had to talk to me about. I only said it one time, though, and I was like, that's not what I meant because I was telling God, all the things that I, how I wanted Greg to act, all the things that I thought made up a good marriage. You know, you should do this, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should say this, and you know, all these things that I don't know why I even thought that, because now that I think about it, I remember our first Valentine's, I'm looking for flowers, candy, because everybody else is getting their flowers and the candy because we were dating in college. And I'm like, where, where, where are my flowers? And he was like, they just die. <laughs> Where is my candy? He said, it'll be cheaper tomorrow. (laughs) But because I I was so upset over it, the next day, (laughs) the next day he came, and because he was an artist, he actually painted me a single red rose. My response was, this is not living. I cannot smell it. (laughs) You see how people can just, it's, it's, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? (laughs) 
For all I know, you'll say, you already have a rose every year after that. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying from, from people's perspective, God is interested in our, um, our souls. And he had to get me to that place where he said, you know, you can't pray a selfish prayer. I'm not interested in that. And then I come to find out, of course, later that if my husband pleased God, he would please me. If my husband could hear from God, then he can please me. Because he went through, after he got born again, he went through this whole thing of trying to make up for all of the things that, uh, that he did and the choices that he made prior to salvation, which is a heavy burden for someone to try to make up for past sin. God's not even asking us to make up for wrong decisions because there's no way we could ever, ever get enough points. And so I can remember finding that out. And I uh, see, that's why it's good to hear from the Holy Spirit because I had to go to him and release him. I had to say, you know what? You need to stop doing this. You need to stop trying to make up for something in the past. Just live today, and I will be happy with that. So, and I'm saying this because sometimes uh, not, not minimizing the hurt that you may feel in a marriage. There, there's sometimes there's some things that are done that are just very, very difficult to get over without the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, you can get over Many, many, many things. So, um, like I said, I'm not trying to minimize anything that, that anybody may be going through or have gone through. Uh, but it's to your best interest, as the word says, if you walk in forgiveness. You know, even if you're no longer together, you need to release that forgiveness. And, and you know, we'll get into some of that maybe later on in some teachings about how unforgiveness can cause you to be ill and sick. And God knew that because it's not good. It's the pressure is not good for you to carry. But what I'm saying again is that Paul is telling us in the book of Romans, he said, without the Holy Spirit, there's no way, even with your best intentions for you to live or walk out the relationships that you have because even when we want to make the right choices, there's nothing that helps us to uh, complete the decisions that we make. And let me say this as well. You know, some people have strong what they call willpower, have strong willpower to do something. But when God does something, it's a heart transformation, not a head transformation. And a heart transformation is a permanent transformation, where a head, you can get some more information and change your mind. But when it comes from the heart, and so that's what we're looking for in relationships, that there are things that, are, that comes from our, our, our hearts. Because every day we get up, we have two choices. Everybody has two choices when they get up every day to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. Everybody has to make that choice every day, every day. And the choices that you make will determine how your day goes. Um, because the, power, the Holy Spirit actually has the power to change our desires, to change our desires. The Holy Spirit has the power uh, to, to actually override our flesh. The Holy Spirit has the ability to cause us to do right. 
The Holy Spirit is a great influence in our lives, and that's why God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us. Let's go to uh, Hebrews. Well, Galatians. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm not going to keep you very long tonight. But Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 16. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians, that is correct. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And it reads in the Amplified, but I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. So here he's emphasizing that we need to all be walking by the Spirit of God. He says, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit and the desires of the spirit are opposed to, to the flesh, godless human nature, for these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. He said they're opposed to one another, so it, it prevents you from doing what you desire to do. He says, but if you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the, the doings, practice of the flesh are clear, obvious. They are immorally, excuse me, immorally in, uh, impure, where am I? Impurity, indecency. And then it just goes on about all this stuff, uh, envy and drunkenness, carousing and all those things. He says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit in verse 22, the, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit the work which his presence within accomplishes. He said, this is something that the Holy Spirit accomplishes on the inside of us. Now, I really want to read this, um, those verses out of the King James. King James. Verse 16, he says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but the flesh... Flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then he begins to talk about when you're walking in the flesh, these are some things that show up. Adultery. Fornication, uncleanliness, or uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, all these things show up, envy and murder, uh, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And that they are Christ, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections 
and lust. He said that when we walk in the spirit of God, we crucified the flesh. We crucified these things that he was just talking about. He said we crucified them. He said we don't, we, we, we don't just let them pass by. We don't let them just ease, ease by. We crucify the flesh. That means that we're ruthless with it. When these things show up, it means that we don't justify it. You don't say, well, I have a reason to be ugly to you because you did this. I have a reason to be mad. I have a reason to get drunk. I have a, I have a reason to act the way I'm acting. I have a reason to act in the flesh. I have a reason not to follow the Holy Spirit. I have a cause. I can justify. I, I have a reason to be jealous. I have a reason to do this and do that. He says, when those things, up, things show up in you, he said, those things are things of the flesh. And he said, you need to kill it. You need to crucify it. You need to stop it right then. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to minimize it. You don't need to start saying, it's okay that I do this. I have a right to be mad at you. I have a right to cuss you out. I have a right to fight you. I have a right. See, see that's what he said. He says, when those things show up, you need to crucify that attitude. Because you're not no longer walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh because that's what's showing up. Hallelujah. And that's for any relationship. Because he says what the Holy Ghost produces in us is not that. It's not that attitude. It's not envying. It's not jealousy. It's not variance. It's not idolatry. It's not strife. It's not sedition. You don't go in corners and talk to other people about your husband. You don't get together and talk about your wife. He said these are manifestations of the flesh. And you have to do something about it. He said, crucify. I mean, crucify, when you think about crucifixion, that was rough. When we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, that was rough. Mm-hmm. He said, because you're, you're, not, you're not walking in the spirit when you do that. He says, he says because that's, that's not a product of the Holy Spirit. That's why you read in the Bible says, you know, don't, 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 don't be angry and go to sleep at night. All kinds of stuff can happen. Mostly you get up and you're in the same attitude, got the same move going on. Ruin, you ruin your night, you're not peaceful and rest, and then you get up and start, start the whole day off mad, upset. Can't get over it. See, but if we have a... a, a when you have a relationship that's fostered by God, then you, you, you figure out how to work this out together. You may have to go away from it and come back to it. I uh, had some friends to tell me that uh, when they were upset about some things, they actually discussed them in public places so as not to get hostile. Because it was, it, was, it was like that for them. It was like yelling and screaming. And, and a lot of times when you start yelling, the only thing the next person wants to do is defend themselves. They can't hear what you're saying because you're too loud. And so they would go to a public place. And they knew what was going on. We, we, we can't discuss this calmly by ourselves. 
So we will go into a public place and we will sit down because we can't do all the yelling and the screaming. I mean, I guess they could and got thrown out. But anyway, that was their, that was their course of action. Till we, till, we, till, we, till we, you know, discussed this and we hashed this out. But they also said that they didn't allow being upset over one particular situation to disturb all the rest of the situations in their home. It's like, I, I'm, I'm mad at you about buying, uh, I don't know, a hat or whatever it may be. That don't keep me from cooking dinner. Because what does one have to do with the other? It's so funny. Because you see all the single people going. <laughs> all the married people going. <laughs> see, there you go again. On account of if you do that, that's called manipulation. And that's not a fruit of the spirit. I'm not going to do so I can force you into doing what I want you to do. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not telling you that is easy. It takes work. It takes an attitude change. It, has, it takes crucifying, self-crucifixion of your thought life. And that may not be... <laughs> that is not always the easiest thing. However, if you... Think back to the root of it, it should make you mad enough, upset enough that Satan would dare come into your relationship to try to disturb it to this point where you act foolish. See, you have, for me, I have to back it all the way down to what's at, what's, what is that, the truth? What's the truth at the basis of appearance? I believe you came in to destroy my marriage. Uh, so my husband may have a really crazy attitude now, but that crazy attitude is there because it wants to destroy something God wants to keep together. So I got to talk to the Holy Spirit concerning not you, but this thing that is bothering you, whatever it may be. And see, again, in relationships, sometimes we don't dig deep enough or sometimes we don't reveal some things that have happened in our lives that impact our attitude and our personalities. But the Holy Ghost knows that. And he will keep you from digging a ditch. Because there... This happens to people. Sometimes when things are happening in relationships and you just keep not addressing, not addressing, not addressing, just leaving it alone, leaving it alone, all of a sudden the person can walk in and say, pass me the salt and you go off. <laughs> they have no idea. It was like, I just, I just asked for the, I asked for the salt and you, you, you always expect me to do everything. Can't you do anything for yourself? Well, the salt was sitting right in front of you, and I just thought that if you could just... And they don't know... I mean, and it's not just in marriage relationships. It's in any kind of relationship. And you just have taken off, and they have no idea. They don't know how to fix it. They don't know how to correct it. They don't know anything. And, and then the... Why are you upset? You know. <laughs> How do they know? How do they know unless you convey it? They don't know. You know what you did. 
and then you just go through your Rolodex of did it happen today, last week, last month, a few minutes ago, uh, when did it happen exactly? And let me, let me just say this, most men, women deal in the moment. They don't run back and gather up information they think whatever you're talking about just happened. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Men, when, do y'all think it must have kind of sort of just happened? I mean, you just now mentioned it. I don't know. I didn't know you were keeping a tally, and it's, it's something that is reoccurring. Oh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, I just, I, I, I wish, sometimes I wish I could remember what things are that happened to me or what was behind it. I can remember there was something Greg used to do that just aggravated me. And uh, it wasn't a tangible thing. It was the way he thought about something. And every time I tried to explain to him that what he was thinking was wrong, <laughs> he could never get it. And so finally I decided, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just tired of talking about it. Just forget it. I'm not going to mention it. I want you guys to know, five years later, <laughs> five years later, I mean, it wasn't a heaven or hell issue, and you know, but five years later, we were just, you know, watching television, and we didn't even talk about it. Then he said, oh! <laughs> what? He said, I got it. I got it. I said, got what? He said, the thing that you've been telling me. And he was just laughing. And at first I was laughing, but he kept laughing. And then I got upset because I thought, this is not funny that five years later, you just now getting what I said and you think it's funny. He said, no, I don't think it's funny, funny, but I'm just saying that is that what you, well, if I'd have known that's what you were talking about. So I'm thinking, now you're saying I can't articulate what I'm, I mean, so it can get, it can go those kind of ways. <laughs> oh, a week later, I was over it. But, because um, <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, five years for you to get this. This is because I, I don't even care anymore. Do you know I don't even care about it anymore? But nonetheless, again, it's walking by the Spirit of God. You think your spouse is the enemy or you think that the, the person is an enemy. No, that's not your enemy. That's not your enemy. Uh, and sometimes... Uh, when you're not married, this is just time to depart from some people because you're not thinking the same way. Notice I said, when you're single, <laughs> because people who say, well, you know, that just wasn't the right one. Hmm. You married them, they became the right one. And, and, and I'm not saying that against people who may have been married more than once. I'm not saying that to you because you know what you do better when you know better. 
And sometimes there are times when the other spouse just does not want to cooperate and there's nothing you can do about the will of someone else. Absolutely nothing you can do about it. But what I'm saying to you is that having a relationship with the Holy Spirit can help you through every relationship that you have. And see, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit will also cause you to be sensitive to one another. Because, as I said before, we tend to want to hear the Holy Spirit about everything else. And then we don't want to hear the Holy Spirit until there's a crisis that shows up. And then it's like, help me fix this. Not necessarily maintain it, but help me fix this uh, so that uh, there'll be peace in the house right now. Now, you should want peace in the house all the time. The Bible tells us that... Uh, when it comes to husband and wife, you need to seek how you may please that person. You don't ever stop seeking how you may please or satisfy that person. And if you don't know how, um, best thing normally is to ask them. I mean, that, that works better than anything. I'm sure they'd be, be ready to share it with you. And, okay, let me talk to the ladies for a second. Your husband does not have... Um, he can't read your mind. <laughs> because sometimes wives will say, if you love me, then the thing of it is, you'll know what to do. <laughs> that is a dilemma for every man for a wife who says, if you love me, you would know what to do. Because... Sometimes they don't know what to do. And you feel like they don't love you if they don't know what you want them to do. And they want to express love, but they don't know what to do. But when they ask you what to do, you're upset because you think they ought to know what to do. But they don't know what's going on in your head. They don't know if that means I'm supposed to bring you flowers every Friday. Am I supposed to bring you candy? Am I supposed to do the dishes? Am I supposed to, what? Did I hear somebody say everything? <laughs> see, see, you see that? And what, excuse me, what is everything? Do everything, what is the everything? And it's easy, the only thing you have to say is when they do the thing you like, just say, I like it when you do this. We won't get into all the love languages and things like that, but that's, that's, that's pretty much. And so a lot of times people just don't tell people what they like. They just assume that you need to figure it out. And then, and so this is so funny to me because during the courtship time, most people like everything, at least they pretend they do. You know, you don't know what's going on with football, but because you want to be with him, you go to the football game. And the only thing you're really interested in is watching to see what everybody has on and where's the, where's the refreshment stand. But you go. Then when you get married and he says, hey, the football game is on, you're like, ah. <laughs> is football season over? Now, he thought you liked football, but he didn't know you went to the football game because you liked him. In turn, man. 
You out on the beach, can't stand the sand, got a picnic bass, and she think you just like picnics and being in the sand, and then you didn't like it, but you just wanted to be with her. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So once each person get the prize, then it's like, well, I already done it. I mean, hey, I won the prize. I paid the tab. I did whatever was necessary. Now I got you. Now, Why would I have to do that? Didn't you know I was doing it to capture you? <laughs> On both parts. Didn't you? I'm, I'm both. Didn't you know that's what? And when people come to me, I'm, I just tell them, listen, I'm sorry your husband likes dog shows. Just. <laughs> but you went before you got married? I suggest you find an interest somewhere at the dog show. <laughs> if it means I get a new outfit, whatever it means. <laughs> See, y'all laughing. I did have a lady tell me that her husband's interested in dog shows. She was like, I am tired of going to these dog shows. <laughs> <laughs> so no one escapes that. <laughs> I'm trying to impress you, but actually, I mean, it would be funny, wouldn't it, if you said to the person, yeah, I'm going to this football game, but I really want to be with you, and I don't really, I'm not really interested in this football game, but I just want to spend time with you. They probably feel better than thinking you actually like the game, and you really don't. Or then it could cause a division. Who knows? He could really be in the football, or she could really be in the sand. I have no idea, but, but I'm just saying that we have to be led by the Spirit of God, and any relationship requires work. Any relationship. So sometimes people are like, oh, marriage is so hard. It's not any harder than the relationship you have with someone else and how you develop that relationship, and all of them should be developed being led by the Spirit of God so everyone can enjoy. Amen. Well, I'm going to stop right there. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening today. We believe that the word of God has the power to change our lives. And I just want you to know that we are praying for you. We're believing for you, for your relationships to be stronger than ever and be stable. This is the year of stability. And we're believing God that everything we touch will be strengthened. 